Financial markets might be tumbling and wealth might be falling, but that's not holding back retail sales across the country. The Aussie dollar falls below 64 US cents and Foxtel gets into wrestling. It's Thursday, the 29th of September, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Now, you've been overseas recently, so Mm. you probably don't care about the Australian dollar, but... I've got a trip planned in about four or five weeks to the US. What what a surprise that uh, that Sean's self interest Aylmer mm-hmm. is um is is kind of concerned about his own hip pocket. Actually, you should be. I mean, that's um that is troubling for you, especially if you are heading overseas. But you are right. I, I I'm not too worried. Yeah. The, look, the only good news is that we had booked places to stay about six months ago, and one of the hotels we'd booked actually cancelled and said, we're closing for renovation. We're going to have to refund you the money we'd paid in US dollars. We're actually getting back more money than we paid. That was a good investment. It was a a very good investment. (laughs) But you've never actually considered that as an investment class. Never, (laughs) never. Paying hotel bills and hoping the currency goes the right way. No, that's right. It's quite niche, that one really, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't put your super into it. No, probably not. Look, uh, after the show, something a little bit different today. You're speaking today with Renee Thornton from a company called Rehab Management. Yes, their business is about attacking the $62 billion problem of getting people back to work, sort of back to work plans, that type of thing. It is a bigger issue than ever before. COVID has highlighted what a big issue it is. And it's not just physical health, it's mental health as well. A really interesting chat with Renee about what companies are doing to help people get back to work. It's coming up a little bit later on, but the main story this morning, Sean, amid all of the financial market craziness and and tens of billions of dollars being wiped off equity markets and from bond portfolios, it seems that retail therapy is calming the nerves a little. I think it's, I mean, that's fair enough, isn't it? It Maybe not for you, actually. You are not a shopper. You're an online shopper. I like going to the mall and wandering around and- No, I I, I like it for about the the, the first 30 seconds when you walk in. I'm like, oh, I actually really like it here. Mm. 30 seconds is all it lasts. that's it? Yeah. Mm. And then I get lost, horrendously lost. You are in the minority because consumers keep on spending in the shopping centres around the country. Retail sales across Australia raised a healthy 0.6% last month, nearly 20% higher last month than a year earlier. Pretty incredible. Now, of course, 12 months ago, COVID restrictions were in full flight. It's been eight months in a row of rises for retail sales, and the August numbers beat market expectations. Department stores are doing particularly well There's been a run of good numbers for department stores. Consumers are buying household goods in large numbers. There's more food and eating out, whether that be at cafes and restaurants or by taking away meals. However, there has been a fall in sales of clothing, footwear and personal accessories. All right. You might have to explain this this kind of what seems to be a little bit of an inconsistency here when all the finance news seems to be so bad. Why are people still spending money? It's a very good question. People have jobs or can get a job, so that supports spending. Also, it seems that they're drawing down the massive savings buffer they built up during COVID. And while interest rates have been rising, many people haven't yet experienced the full effect, particularly if they took out a fixed rate loan last year. So they're still feeling fairly wealthy. They've got money in the bank and they're happy to spend it. Now, it can't go on though. Higher interest rates will have to start hurting eventually. 
So if if people are still spending then and, and obviously then putting pressure on prices, this would give the Reserve Bank another reason to lift interest rates by 50 basis points when they meet next week. You almost sounding like an economist. I've studied. I have listened to you so carefully now for the last two years. I reckon I could fake it in most conversations. No doubt you could. Now, look, the jury is still out on what the bank will do, the central bank will do. While most economists expect rates to rise, there's fierce debate about whether it'll be by 25 basis points or by 50 basis points. The Reserve Bank had hinted on taking a breather, but so much has happened in the past couple of weeks, particularly overseas that most economists now think it will do something next week, next Tuesday when it meets, and it'll probably be another 50 basis points. Okay. How did local markets perform yesterday? Look, the day started okay for equities, but then the ASX fell and was one time trading about three quarters of a percent below where it started. It then recovered somewhat to close down half a percent to 6,462 points. It wasn't particularly pretty. Macquarie Group and Fortescue Metals were both down nearly 3%, WiseTech Global and QBE fell more than 2%. Wes Farmers was off about the same amount. Goodman Group tumbled 1.5%. Commonwealth Bank dropped 1.2%. That's what I'd call broad-based. Now, Telstra was to stand out, up 2.7%. No doubt it's being helped along by what's happening at Optus, its main competitor. Once again, yesterday, it was the commodities names that did well. Coronado Gold, Whitehaven Coal, New Hope, Silver Lake Resources, Goldiger, Remelius Resources, they all did very well. Worst on the bourse was Telix Pharmaceuticals after the oncology company announced a major marketing setback in Europe. Its share price fell 15%. Bonds, Michael, I know you love bonds. Oh, I certainly do. Just don't ask me to explain it, but I do love them. Go on. Right. So Treasury 10-year bond yields pushed above 4% yesterday for the first time since 2010. Through September, yields have risen the most in 20 years on the back of central banks tightening monetary policy. That, Michael, is what you call a bond sell-off. Let me explain this to you. Treasuries have lost 14% in value this year. So if your super fund invested $100 in a bond fund, that would now be worth $86. And given many investors have about 40% of their savings in fixed interest, that is a lot of money. Uh, Sean, when you say my name in the middle of of kind of talking about something, there's this moment of fear and I think it goes back to kind of high school of getting called on to answer (laughs) a question that you don't really know anything about. And I'm just going, please don't ask me, Sean, please don't ask me. But you didn't. So I'm happy you can reference me as much as you want while you're talking. Just when it comes to bonds, I will just be a, a dedicated listener. International markets, what's going on? Well, the Aussie dollar is back below 64 US cents. As I said, who'd want to be going to the US in five and a half weeks? Mm. Now, as with every other day, it's less about the Aussie dollar. It's more about the strength in the greenback. It is powering ahead. Currencies like the euro are heading towards parity with the US, which has never happened. Many, many economists are now saying that the Aussie dollar has further to fall and the greenback has further to rise. Cryptocurrencies had had a better run in recent sessions, but Bitcoin and Ether both fell back yesterday. Bitcoin's trading back around 19,000 US dollars a unit. Oil prices have also been falling with Brent crude trading around 85 US dollars a barrel. That's down to January levels. Gold is headed towards 1,600 US dollars an ounce. Okay. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. (laughs) 
John. Staying in the world of economics, Treasurer Jim Chalmers yesterday gave more details on the upcoming budget. Yes, there's a steady drip feed of information coming out about the budget. Dr Chalmers said last year's budget deficit will come in at $32 billion. That's about $48 billion better than expected, thanks to higher commodity prices and high employment rates. There was also lower than expected usage of COVID-19 business support packages that helped the budget bottom line. Over the next few years, though, the budget will remain in deficit, Dr Chalmers said. A rebound in the global economy is important to a rebound in the Australian budget position. The good news for many households is that the Treasurer said removing the Stage 3 tax cuts won't improve the inflationary environment. That means they're likely to stay. The cuts will create a flat tax rate of 30 cents in the dollar for anyone earning between $40,000 and $200,000. And Sean, the Treasurer had a bit to say yesterday on the $5 note and also on petrol prices. Yes, Dr. Chalmers said he's had a conversation with Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe on the status of the $5 note. He said there's no rush to decide whose picture will replace the Queen. Certainly, she'll be on new notes for the foreseeable future. And Dr. Chalmers also conceded that the end of the petrol excise discount, which will add 22.5 cents a litre to the cost of fuel, will be difficult for many Australians. But he warned petrol suppliers not to push up prices unnecessarily, saying the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission was on the lookout. In fact, yesterday, the Australasian Convenience and Petroleum Marketers Association came out and said prices shouldn't rise for another five to seven days. That's because all those petrol stations out there have plenty of fuel in the tanks underground. It'll just be interesting to see if that's what eventuates. Mm, all right, we'll be keeping, we will be keeping a very close eye on it we because will. obviously fear and greed and the ACCC together as an unstoppable force. <laughs> Sean, ASX Limited, which is the company that runs the exchange, was hit with its first shareholder strike on management pay yesterday. That's right. At ASX's annual general meeting, 30% of votes cast went against the 2022 remuneration report, including the $1.2 million bonus to former Chief Executive Dominic Stevens. In total, Mr. Stevens took home $4.5 million for the last financial year. That includes the bonus. Mr. Stevens ran the company from 2016. One of the big challenges he had was upgrading its legacy systems. He started doing that, but that upgrade has been dogged with delays. It's now unlikely to go live until 2024, yet Mr. Stevens still got the bonus. The ASX is also coming under pressure from the Reserve Bank of Australia. Yesterday, the central bank released its assessment of the ASX's clearing and settlement facilities, essential functions for the economy to operate smoothly. The Reserve Bank said the stock market operator needs to make significant progress in addressing recommendations on governance and risk management and the company needs to be more proactive. In Reserve Bank speech, that's quite a whack across the face. Yeah, seems it. Now, the federal government released its National Electric Vehicle Strategy discussion paper yesterday and manufacturing EV batteries as part of it. Infrastructure Minister Catherine King said the discussion paper focuses on a range of incentives and barriers to try and encourage the uptake of electric vehicles in Australia, adding that there's an opportunity to manufacture EV batteries domestically rather than mine lithium and send it offshore. She said the government was prepared to support companies that want to manufacture EVs locally. Energy Minister Chris Bowen said the Albanese government wants Australia to become the largest provider of lithium globally. And also in Canberra, Sean, the federal opposition said it will support the introduction of a corruption commission. 
Yes, they were warned that serious care must be taken in giving extraordinary powers to the National Anti-Corruption Commission. What is important here is that it really benches the crossbenchers in this particular fight. Oh, benches the crossbenchers. Yeah, pretty proud of that. Mm. Oh, very nice. Now, how about this one? Queensland will stop using coal-fired power generation by 2035, 10 years earlier than planned as part of its new energy plan. Ironically, the state is one of the largest producers of coal, particularly black coal, in the country. Under the plan, pumped hydro and the creation of supergrids to connect new renewable projects are part of the plan launched by Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk yesterday. It means they're bringing forward the closure of state-run coal-fired power stations. Previously, they were scheduled to close in the mid-2040s. Queensland had previously committed to a 50% renewable target by 2030. That's actually gone to 70% and 80% by 2035. Renewable energy currently accounts for around 20% of energy in the state. The Queensland Jobs and Energy Plan includes $62 billion of investment in the energy network by 2035. Certainly an ambitious plan. Yeah, it is. Now, you mentioned Optus earlier, Sean. What's the latest on the cyber breach? Well, it's really becoming a political football with opposition leader Peter Dutton saying Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill has been missing in action. The government said talks are underway for the banks to step up monitoring of accounts of customers whose personal identification data was stolen in the cyber attack. Health Minister Mark Butler said he was in the middle of considering whether to roll out new Medicare numbers to people involved. Several state governments have allowed victims of the attack to immediately replace driver's licences with Optus footing the bill in that one. And Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said he expects Optus to do everything within its means to support affected customers, including paying for replacement passports. Of course, more than 10 million current or former customers have been affected. What is going to happen with that data is still unknown, notwithstanding the alleged hacker said that they wouldn't use the data. The upshot of all this is that class action law firms are circling. Slater and Gordon did it on Monday saying it was investigating a legal claim. Yesterday, Morris Blackburn said the same thing. Sean, Bubs Australia, which is a company that we've talked quite a bit about, is setting up a joint venture with a Chinese group with factories in far northeastern China to make Chinese labelled infant formula. And that will allow Bubs to tap into the 80% of the $40 billion China market in which it currently is unable to compete. Chief Executive Christy Carr said the first Chinese label product, a goat's milk formula, is expected to hit the shelves in China in three to six months' time. Sean, we mentioned this one at the, t- at the top of the show, Foxtel has expanded its portfolio, signing a multi-year deal with WWE, the American professional wrestling franchise. You would be a wrestling fan, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what's even more exciting is Foxtel will launch a standalone 24-7 WWE channel from December. It'll include things like the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, which I had to Google to work out what they were. Still, a lot of fans out there. Sure you did. Sure you did. Yeah. 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 According to the Australian, professional wrestling has enjoyed a resurgence in recent years with a new generation of stars such as Roman Reigns. Hmm. And the Usos. No, no idea. I mean, I, I loved Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant in the day. I might have to chase up these new ones. Foxtel's <laughs> four and a half million subscribers will have access to WWE's live events. Previously, they were pay-per-view. Quite a win for wrestling fans here in Australia. Gosh, John, you make yourself sound so old. When you, when you say things like that, I expect you to say things were better back in my day. 
Uh, I had the Hulk Hogan doll. Did you? Yeah. If you still had it, I reckon that would be worth some money now. You're probably right. All right, moving on to overseas news. And Hurricane Ian has caused chaos in the Caribbean and southern US with the electricity grid across all of Cuba collapsing. The entire country lost power and the massive storm was expected to hit the Florida coastline, the west coast of Florida, uh, in the US overnight. Nearly 2.5 million Florida residents have been ordered to evacuate. Winds were expected to reach more than 200 kilometres an hour, but as it was heading through the Gulf, it was picking up speed. Very worrying. Yeah, sure is. Apple is backing off plans to increase production of its new iPhones after an anticipated surge in demand kind of failed to materialise. Yeah, that's right. Apple has told suppliers to pull back from efforts to increase assembly of the iPhone 14 product family by as many as 6 million units in the second half of this year. That's according to Bloomberg. Instead, the company will aim to produce 90 million handsets for the period, roughly the same level as last year. 90 million handsets, I still find that number incredible to think that there are 90 million phones going out there. Demand for the higher-priced iPhone 14 Pro models is stronger than for the entry-level versions, and an Apple supplier said that they were shifting production capacity from those lower-priced iPhones to the premium models as a result. And last one, Sean, the US Securities and Exchange Commission has fined 16 financial firms, and it's, it's quite a list, including Barclays, Bank of America, Citigroup, Credit Suisse, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, UBS, a combined $1.1 billion US dollars over failing to maintain and preserve electronic communications. Yes, this story will send shutters through a few financial service firms locally as well. According to Reuters, from January 2018 through September 2021, the bank's employees routinely communicated about business matters using applications such as text messages and WhatsApp on their own devices, on their personal devices. The institutions didn't preserve the majority of these communications, which violated the rules. Does that sound a little too familiar? The sweeping industry probe is considered a landmark case for the SEC. All right, coming up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. And your guest today, Sean, is Renee Thornton from Rehab Management. That's right. All about getting people back to work, people with health issues. Fascinating because it's become a much, much bigger problem, a $62 billion problem for the local economy. It's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Thursday, the 29th of September, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.